Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And now 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 to 16. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for, doing, for, for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. I want to look at verses 2 to 6 this evening. Uh, Maybe you enjoy watching rugby or football or cricket on television. And uh, when you look at the crowd, as the camera pans around the crowd, uh, you see people who are obviously devoted to their team. Um, I say they're obviously devoted to their team because they're wearing team shirts, uh, maybe a team hat, a team scarf, Uh, maybe they've painted their faces in team colors, and uh, you realize that these folk, uh, they have maybe traveled great distances at considerable expense in order to see their team play. They're devoted to their team. Now, people are devoted to many things. aren't just devoted perhaps to a sports team, uh, but we can be devoted to our children, we can be devoted to our work and our career, we can be devoted to exercise, we can be devoted to a hobby, Uh, we can be devoted to a pet, we can be devoted to many things. And if you're devoted to something, uh, then you will give that much time, you will expend much effort, Uh, there will be a lot of attention and affection uh, that is shown towards that particular pursuit or that particular person. Uh, People who are devoted to something are dedicated, they're enthusiastic, they're committed, they're persistent and persevering in their devotion. They don't give up easily. I wonder what you are devoted to. I wonder what you are devoted to. Here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul instructs the church in Colossae the Christians who are living there in Colossae, to be devoted to prayer. Uh, Look at verse 2. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, if you're devoted to prayer, you will certainly pray regularly. You will pray often. But the language of devotion suggests enthusiasm and commitment and perseverance in prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer says Paul. Now, I think we all need to take this apostolic exhortation to heart because it's not easy for us to be devoted to prayer. Yes, we pray. 
But I imagine many of us, we're not praying as often or as persistently or as widely as we should be. I wonder whether you have any pot plants at home. Uh, We were looking at a pot plant last night um, in our living room, uh, and it wasn't looking very well. Uh, The leaves had started to droop. It looked very limp. Uh, The leaves were beginning, in fact, to turn yellow and almost brown. Uh, And so my wife picked up the plant and took it into the kitchen, put it in the sink, uh, and let it sit in water. And this morning, when we came down, uh, the plant looks revived, uh, refreshed. Uh, Suddenly, the leaves are looking greener, and they're standing up uh, a little bit um, more proudly. Uh, A pot plant. You can tell almost as soon as you look at a pot plant whether it's thriving or not. Uh, You can tell whether those uh, leaves are limp, uh, whether the the pot plant is thriving. Uh, You can look at the soil. Is it dry and desiccated, uh, or does the soil look as if it's full of nutrients? Well, imagine your prayer life as a pot plant. Imagine your prayer life as a pot plant. How healthy is your prayer life? If you had to rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you, what number would you choose? You see, often our praying can be irregular, it can be rushed, it can be routine. Uh, Often it's very predictable. Maybe we pray once or twice about something and then we give up. Uh, We give up far too easily. Maybe we pray earnestly only in a crisis or when there's something that we really, really want. Maybe our thoughts wander as we pray. Maybe we struggle to know what to pray for. Maybe we find that we're just praying for the same things all the time. Maybe our prayers are quite selfish. Maybe we're not really considering the needs of others as much as we consider the needs of ourselves. Now, let me say that I'm speaking as much to myself as I am to you. Uh, as I speak here about struggles in prayer, many Christians find prayer hard. In 2019, Crossway, that's uh, an American evangelical publishing house, Crossway conducted a survey of 14,000 Christians, a survey on prayer. Only 2% of those surveyed said that they were satisfied with their prayer life. And the most common impediment to a healthy prayer life uh, was distraction. Uh, that was identified by 57%. Of people. Paul says here to the church in Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer. But then Paul goes on to say two more things that will help us to be devoted to prayer. How can we be more devoted to prayer? Well, look at what Paul says here in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Firstly, be watchful. Be watchful as you pray. Be attentive, be alert, Uh, look around and see what is happening in the lives of those who are close to you. Uh, Look out into the world, look out into our nation, look into our communities and see what the needs are. The more that we are watchful, the more that we will be prayerful as we see those needs and want to respond to them. Seeking God's wisdom and God's help in knowing how we can respond. Asking that God would be at work in those situations. Maybe uh, it's something that is far from us. Maybe it's in Ukraine or another part of the world. And yet we can pray as we become conscious, as we become aware of the needs that there are. The more that we're aware of the needs of those around us, the more that we will pray. If we want to be more devoted in prayer, then be watchful. Be watchful in prayer. But then secondly, says Paul, be thankful. Be thankful as you pray. Just be conscious of what God has already done for you. Be conscious of what God is presently doing around you. Uh, Look and to see what God is doing and give God thanks. Uh, 
Prayer is not just petition. Prayer is not just asking God for things. But part of prayer is praising God. Coming to God and giving thanks to Him for all that He has already done, all that He is doing, praying that He would continue to be at work, asking that He would work specifically and in particular ways in the days and the weeks ahead. So when we come to God, when we come to prayer, be watchful and be thankful. And if we're watchful and thankful, this will help us to be more devoted in prayer. As you pray, have an alert mind and have a thankful heart. An alert mind and a thankful heart will encourage us to be more devoted in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, says Paul, being watchful and thankful. And then look at what Paul does in verse 3. He then asks the church in Colossae to pray for him and for his co-workers. Uh, look at verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul wants the church in Colossae to pray for the evangelistic mission, the work of evangelism and discipleship that he is engaged in, but particularly that work of mission and evangelism. And Paul suggests in these two verses three ways in which we too can pray for mission and evangelism. Firstly, we can pray for people who proclaim the gospel. That's what Paul is asking for. Paul has been called by God as an apostle. He has others with him on his mission team. Uh, their task, their purpose, their aim is to make the good news of Jesus Christ known. Uh, they want to proclaim the gospel. Uh, and so Paul is asking for prayer for them as they proclaim the gospel. And we too can pray for those who proclaim the gospel. So we can pray for pastors and evangelists and mission partners who are called by God actively to be engaged in proclaiming the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So pray for your pastors. Pray for James. Pray for Matthew. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your mission partners, those that you have sent out or those that you are supporting in the work of mission. Pray for them. Pray for those who are engaged in full-time Christian ministry. Pray also for those who are serving in church ministries, at the various activities that are undertaken by the church here, those who are actively making the gospel known to others. Pray for those who are teaching children and teenagers. Pray for those who are discipling students. Pray for those who are leading small groups. Pray for those who are speaking at the seniors' lunch. Pray for those who are involved in proclaiming the gospel. They may not be full-time in Christian service, but they're actively proclaiming the gospel. And let's pray for one another. Because actually, as Christian people, all of us should be involved in making the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ known to those around us. We're all to be involved as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can pray for one another. Pray for one another in the places where God has put us. Maybe witnessing in our families, in the home, witnessing to our friends, witnessing to our course mates or housemates. Uh, witnessing to those that we work alongside, uh, witnessing to those who we live alongside. You may not be called to full-time Christian ministry. Uh, you may not be speaking at a church ministry, but all Christians are called to be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. So pray for people who proclaim the gospel, and really that's every Christian, but we can pray specifically for those who are called by God to proclaim the gospel as ministers, pastors, 
evangelists, mission partners, and those who are leading in church ministries. Secondly, we can pray for God to give people gospel opportunities. In verse 3, Paul asks the church in Colossae to pray specifically that God will give him and his co-workers opportunities to speak to others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what he writes there. Pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's in chains. And notice that Paul is more concerned for a door for gospel opportunity to open than he is asking the Colossians to pray for the door of his prison cell to be open. Paul's concern is that the gospel might continue to go out. And so he asks the church to pray, to pray for gospel opportunities. An open door for the gospel to be proclaimed is when God provides you with very clear opportunities to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when God puts you in a situation where it's just natural and easy to share the gospel with others. It's when God brings across your path people who are interested and want to know more about your Christian faith. An open door of gospel opportunity is when God provides a way in which you can show love to others and speak to them of their need of salvation. And we can pray that God would set before each of us an open door, that we might have those natural, easy opportunities to speak to others about our Savior. Pray for openings in conversations, that we might share our faith, that we might explain the gospel to a family member or a friend or a work colleague or a course mate, or even to a stranger, maybe somebody that we sit beside on the bus or sit alongside in the doctor's surgery. Pray that God would give us opportunities to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. But evangelism is um, not just uh, about um, uh, speaking when the opportunity uh, arises. Um, yes, we've got to speak, but Paul here says, when that opportunity comes, here's the third thing, uh, pray then, verse 4, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray for people to proclaim the gospel, people who are proclaiming the gospel. Pray that they would have gospel opportunities. Pray thirdly then that when those opportunities arise, that they will seize those opportunities and speak clearly, speak warmly, uh, speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by, when Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly, uh, he's referring there to the gospel, what he calls the mystery of Christ. Christ, the Messiah, the God's anointed one, the Savior who was promised from of old. All those prof uh, prophecies and uh, promises from the Old Testament. Uh, who was this Savior who would come? Uh, this one who would suffer, the servant of God who would suffer. Uh, who is this that uh, God would send to save humanity, uh, to bring forgiveness for sinners? Well, that mystery is now revealed in the coming of the Lord Jesus. The mystery of Christ has now been revealed. Uh, and Paul and others have been called to proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Jesus Christ as Lord. And Paul wants to proclaim that clearly as he has opportunity and I think we all understand that desire, don't we? Maybe a very natural and easy opportunity does arise for us. There's an opening in conversation, and we know that here now is an opportunity for us to share the gospel. But it's so easy when opportunities for witness come for us to be tongue-tied, for us really 
really struggling to find the right words or to know where to start or how much to explain or uh, how to uh, convey what the Bible teaches in a way that people will understand or to address objections or to answer questions or uh, to deal with hostility. We'll pray that God will help you and that God will help others as those opportunities come that they might be able to explain the gospel clearly. That God would give us the right words that we'd be able to speak with warmth and with fluency and with sensitivity, but also with boldness. That we might speak the truth in love. The Holy Spirit would be at work, that the Holy Spirit would take and use the words that we speak, that God would use those words of witness, that gospel proclamation, to bring change in the lives of others. To bring them to an awareness of their sin, to bring them under conviction of their wrongdoing, of their need of salvation, their need of forgiveness, that they might repent and turn and put their trust and hope in Jesus Christ. Pray for those who proclaim the gospel. Pray that there would be many gospel opportunities that come. And pray that when those opportunities come, that we and others might proclaim the gospel clearly, as we should, as we desire, and as we should. Well, Paul writes here not just about speaking the right words, but also uh, the actions that we uh, undertake can be another means that God can use to bring people to an awareness of the gospel. Uh, And so Paul here writes about evangelism through words as well as evangelism through actions. Let's think firstly then of evangelism through action. This is verses 5 and 6, but verse 5, Paul writes this, Be wise... In the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. You see, our actions towards others are crucial. Often kind actions serve as a bridge for the gospel. Often it's that act of kindness towards somebody else that will give rise to the opportunity to share the gospel. People are so much more receptive to hear what we have to say if they know that we really care. People are more receptive to hear what we have to say if they know that we really care. And often it's our actions that establish the credibility of our witness, of our spoken witness. How you act, what you do, speaks loudly and clearly to others, sometimes without a word even being spoken. You know, we live in an age that is very suspicious and skeptical of spoken word Uh, Spoken truth claims. Uh, People now doubt the public pronouncements of um, companies, uh, even of government, uh, of individuals. People want claims to be verified. Claims can be made, uh, but can they be followed through on? Uh, Is what somebody says, is that true? Are are they going to act uh, in accord with that? Uh, And the same is true when we speak to people of the Christian faith. Is what we are saying true? And one of the ways in which they will assess that is to look to see how you live. Does it make a difference to the way in which you live? What about your actions? Do your actions support the words that you're speaking? You're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're speaking of God's love. But is, is the Lord's love seen in the way in which you conduct yourselves before others? You're speaking of the kindness and the grace and the mercy of God. Are you showing kindness and grace and mercy to those around you? Do your beliefs make a significant difference to your behavior? 
And really, we want our lives, don't we, as Christians, to be appealing and to be attractive to others. We want something of the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ to be reflected, to be evident in the way in which we are living. We want God the Holy Spirit to be working in us to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ whom we serve. So that as people look at us, as they see what we do, that they might see just something, maybe just catch a glimpse of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ would be evident in our lives. Here at the end of verse 5, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. I wonder whether you're like me. I imagine that you are, that sometimes you replay situations that have occurred in the course of the day. You replay those in your mind. Uh, And maybe as you think back to a conversation that you had or maybe a situation that you find yourself in, you think to yourself, you know, at that point, I should have said this. Or maybe at that point, I should have done this. And I know if I'd said this or done that, it might well have opened up a conversation that I could have shared the gospel. And so the opportunity has come and gone. And it's only afterwards that we recognize that it was an opportunity. That perhaps there was a door that was opening. That we might speak the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe we had an opportunity to show love towards somebody who was hurting Maybe to encourage somebody who was anxious. Maybe to help somebody who was in need. Maybe to comfort somebody who was distressed. But we know that we haven't made the most of that opportunity. Well, pray. Pray that God would help you to make the most of every opportunity. That the Holy Spirit would prompt us to know what to do and what to say in various circumstances. That we might bear witness to Christ our Savior. So many wasted opportunities litter our lives. And we need to pray, pray that God would help us, that we would make the most of every opportunity that he sets before us, that we would bear witness through our actions that we belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul writing here about being wise in the way you act towards outsiders, towards those who are not Christians, we need wisdom, don't we, in how we do that. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. But then Paul speaks again about the fact that we do need to speak. It's not just about action, but we need to speak. Verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of grace. We have experienced God's grace, God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. As Christian people, God has poured out his grace through his son. We've known so much of God's grace and we want that grace to be flowing out of our lives. Yes, in the actions that we perform towards others, but also in our speech. May our speech always be gracious. May your conversation, let your conversation be always full of grace. We're always to deal with people in love. We're to speak kindly and gently and with respect and patience. But such graciousness is not to be without some bite. Uh, Look at what Paul says there in verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Salt brings out the flavors of the food that is being cooked. So Paul here is saying that our speech should have some savor. Our conversation should have some savor. Uh, When we speak, it shouldn't be bland 
and insipid and wishy-washy. We should be willing to challenge error. We should be willing to stand against sin and unbelief. We want to speak truth to people. Yes, we want to speak truth in love, but we want to speak the truth. And so, yes, our conversation should always be full of grace, but also seasoned with salt. Always full of grace, and yet seasoned with salt. Many of us have mobile phones, and perhaps we have mobile phones with us right throughout the day. Imagine if your mobile phone was recording your conversation right throughout the day. Uh, And at the end of the day, you handed your mobile phone to a friend and asked them to listen to everything that you had said in the course of the day. I wonder would they conclude that your conversation was always full of grace and seasoned with salt. That's a challenge, isn't it? That our conversation would always be full of grace, but also seasoned with salt. And then look at what Paul writes right at the end there of verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, maybe you don't feel very confident in initiating spiritual conversations with non-Christian work colleagues or with housemates or course mates. Maybe you're apprehensive about speaking about Jesus to your friends. Maybe you're hesitant about introducing your faith in a conversation that you have with your next door neighbor. But I think that verses 5 and 6 here are suggesting that if you are wise in the way in which you act towards those who are not Christians, and if your conversation is always full of grace and seasoned with salt, then opportunities to bear witness will come. Those opportunities will arise through your actions and through your speech. Uh, Your actions and your conversation will compel interest and attention. And people will ask you questions. And when somebody asks you questions about why you act as you do or why you speak as you do, then you need to be ready and willing to explain to them what you believe or what the Bible teaches or how the Lord Jesus Christ makes a difference in the way in which you live. Be prepared to answer anyone who asks you well, why you're full of hope or joy or peace or love or why you're patient and kind, why you're gentle and respectful. Those things should be evident in our actions and in our speech. And we want it to arouse interest and to give rise to questions. And so we read earlier also from 1 Peter chapter 3, in verses 15 and 16, the apostle Peter writes this. He says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Make Christ the Lord of your life. Your chief desire and your delight is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Set him apart as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter essentially is saying the same thing that Paul is saying here in Colossians chapter 4. Opportunities will arise. People will want to know why you're acting or speaking as you do. Be ready, be prepared to give an answer when people ask you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. 
So here we are at the end of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Final instructions or further instructions is the heading here in the NIV. And what have we learned from these few verses? What does God's word in Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 to 6 instruct us to do? Well, we're to to devote ourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And maybe we need to take that to heart. And to seek this coming week that God would help us that we might be more watchful and more thankful and therefore more devoted to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And how can we pray for mission and evangelism? Well, Paul gives us some ideas here, doesn't he? We can pray for those who proclaim the gospel. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your mission partners. Pray for those who are serving in church ministries who have that opportunity to speak the gospel to others. Pray for one another that we would bear witness to Christ where he has placed us. Pray that we would have gospel opportunities set before us. That there be natural and easy opportunities to share the gospel with others. Pray that the Lord would prompt us that we would recognize the opportunity when it comes. And that we might then speak the gospel. That we might bear witness clearly to others. That we would seize those opportunities and speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then recognize that evangelism is not just about our speech, but it's also about our actions. Be wise in the way in which you act towards others. Be careful that your conversation is always full of grace, but also seasoned with salt. So that opportunities will come, questions will be asked. And you'll be able to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. This week... Pray that God would give you opportunities. Pray that you would see those opportunities as they come. Pray then that you would respond by speaking clearly and warmly of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The Greeks had uh, different figures that represented different things. Uh, Kairos uh, is a word that speaks of time or opportunity. Uh, And the Greek figure for opportunity uh, was a man with a bald head, largely bald, but a tuft of hair at the front. Just a tuft of hair at the front. Uh, And that was opportunity. Just imagine that as a picture of opportunity. And the idea was that you could grab opportunity as they came towards you. But once they were passed, there was nothing to grab onto. (laughs) So you had to recognize opportunity as they came towards you and grab it and seize it. Because once opportunity had gone, You didn't get it back. Pray that the Lord would show us opportunities, give us opportunities, that we would seize those, that we would make the most of them, and that we might bear witness to Christ our Savior and our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these instructions given by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. Inspired words that are still relevant and applicable to us today. Pray that you would help us that we would take these instructions to heart as a church, as Christian people. Father, we pray that we would be more devoted to prayer. Help us to be watchful. Help us to see what is happening in the lives of those around us. To see what's happening in our community. To see what's happening in our nation. To see what's happening in the world. And that we might turn those concerns into prayer. Help us to be thankful. Help us to recognize all that you have done and are doing and 
so that that would encourage us as we think to the future, that you would continue to fulfill your good purposes, that the kingdom of Jesus Christ would grow, that we might be a part of that. And so we pray that you would help us, that we would be fulfilling that great commission to go and to make disciples of all nations, to do that in the places where you have put us. We pray for those who proclaim the gospel. We pray that you would give them opportunities. And when those opportunities come, that they might proclaim the gospel clearly. And we pray that for ourselves also. That wherever we serve in the course of the week, Father, we pray that we would see opportunities. That we would seize those opportunities. Make the most of those opportunities. Help us to do that by our actions. Help us to do it also in our speech. And Father, we pray that questions would come. We pray that our lives and our conversation would uh, compel interest, would arouse attention. And Father, then we pray that working by your Spirit, you would enable us, that we would be able to give an answer when people ask us about the peace, the joy, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray as we go from here, as we go into another week, a week of service, a week in which we, uh, we want to do your will, a, a week in which we want to see you glorified and we want to see Christ magnified, we Pray, Father, that you would help us, uh, make us prayerful, and then help us to be ready to act and to speak in such a way that we might bring attention to Jesus and that we might bring glory to you. Hear us and help us. Work in us, we pray, by your Spirit, so that we might be more the people that we should be. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.